Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I want to speak tonight on a certain or the certain sound. The certain sound. And I, I, I want to talk a little bit, and here's what I'm preaching from. And 1 Corinthians says, And even things without life given sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or what is harped? Now, what does that mean? Well, piped is literally refers to manufactured sound. And harp refers to a natural sound. For the trumpet, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Everybody say, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? Matthew 11 and 15, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Shake somebody's hand, say, Pastor, preach to us tonight. You may be seated. You're an awesome, awesome, awesome people. Thank you, Reed, for covering for us last Wednesday night. And Sunday morning, Reed preached a fabulous sermon on Sunday morning. And I'm very happy that Reed's a part of our church. So my, 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 my question tonight is, what are you hearing? Just what are you hearing? See, sounds evoke feelings in all of us. What you and I hear takes place as much in our heart as it does in our eardrums. What a sound elicits in our hearts depends upon our experience and association with that that sound. Some sounds are so inherently appealing that, that their effect is almost universally positive, like a baby's giggle. My little grandson, Finley, is saying, hi, mom. And his mother said, hi, back to him, hi. And he said, hi, back to her. It's about a seven-second clip. We played it 50 times last night. (laughs) It's a great thing. A baby's giggle, the sound of nature on a quiet summer evening comes to mind. They're just appealing sounds. By contrast, certain other sounds have a predictably negative effect. The proverbial fingernails on the chalkboard or the unsettling sound of a smoke alarm. Boy, we've had them go off in our house. Or, as I've already said, an earthquake at 104 in the morning in San Diego. Of course, we live in a time when we can be selective about the sounds that we hear, much more so than previous generations. It used to be that every telephone sounded essentially the same. Today we can program phones to play all sorts of pleasing and amusing and personalized ringtones. Even the the term is becoming a misnomer for the younger generation may not even associate phones with ringing at all. One of my son's-in-law, cell phone, I will not tell you who he is, but he has had surgery this week and he leads our youth. (laughs) For instance, has set his cell phone to ESPN theme. That's right. I was having breakfast the other day with a gentleman and I heard the eyes of Texas are up on you. He said, I better catch that. It's his phone. 
I have friends whose phones offer a brief excerpt of classical music, even Broadway stuff. And some teenagers' phones that I know are programmed to say something when someone is calling like, pick up the phone or it's for you. And, no, and even one can even program specific ringtones for specific callers. I was counseling, and I wouldn't dare tell who this person was, but it was one of the funniest counsel sessions I've ever had. It wasn't a serious one anyhow. I was counseling, and the phone of that person I was counseling rang several times. And the person I was counseling never looked at the phone at the screen, just reached out and turned it off. I said, you want to catch that? That's fine. I said, no, that's just my daughter. Rang again. That's my husband. <laughs> Rang again. That's my son. <laughs> All of them different calls. And when she walked out, I said, Lord Jesus, I need that kind of system in my phone, but I'm not smart enough to fix it. Alarms we set to awaken us in the morning is another area of tremendous variety now. Once upon a time, alarm clocks simply rang, and now... They have versions that go buzz or they have beep sounds. Mine goes beep, 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 beep. It will drive you crazy. With small digital devices, we can now have our chosen music with us anywhere we go. Our automobiles, our computers, our radios, our TVs and phones enable us to listen on demand to a smorgasbord of information and entertainment that was unthinkable a generation ago. And you say, amen, that's true. Still all in the freedom of selection we presently enjoy when it comes to the sounds we hear only serves to reinforce the same basic truth that namely sounds evoke feelings, strong feelings. That's why we find it so desirable to be able to choose our sounds. Some sounds, of course, are neutral or at least situational. My spirit may always be cheered by the, by the sound of a baby's innocent giggle. And I may always be annoyed by the shrill and the strident smoke alarm. But some other sounds are more variable. They evoke different feelings on different days. Let me, let, let's imagine now. For example, a teenage girl, maybe your teenage daughter who's awaiting a phone call from a boy that she has started liking at school. And rumor has it that he may like her also because somebody told somebody that somebody might like somebody. (laughs) If you're 30, get out of that world, okay? (laughs) And that man, that boy might be calling that daughter that afternoon. And at the same time, let us also imagine that living in that same house with the girl is her middle-aged father, whose doctor recently ordered a certain battery of medical tests. And those test results will serve to confirm or refute the doctor's grim suspicions and the father's worst fear. The doctor has promised to call with the results sometime this afternoon. And when the telephone rings and no call ID in that house, what happens? The teenage girl and her father hear the same sound, the same pitch, the same decibel level, The sound waves that reach both sets of ears are identical. However, the internal reaction of the two people is vastly different. For the sound of the phone instantly fills the teenage girl with excitement. Yes. And the same sound grips her father with apprehension and anxiety. Same sound. Different different ears. 
The Apostle Paul used a very familiar item in his time for an object lesson, as familiar as a cell phone would be in our culture. It also deals with the same subject in a different time. It's called communication. The trumpet in Paul's day was cutting edge then as electronic media is today. The trumpeter was a vitally important figure in the army of Bible times. And the lives of the soldiers depended on the accuracy of the trumpeter and the trumpet. The sound of the trumpet can be as serious as success or failure or worse, life and death. It's been said that when Satan was asked what he missed most about heaven, it is rumored that he replied, I miss the sound of the trumpet every morning in heaven. Let's talk about the role of the trumpeter in the Old Testament. Ezekiel spoke about it, and I want to read from his passage, then I'm going to preach a little bit. You ready to hear the word? The word of the Lord came to me, he said, Ezekiel 33, 1 through 7. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet, but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. And since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own hand. And if they had heeded the warning, they would have been saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. That part scares me to death. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. The first thing I want to talk about, there's five trumpet sounds I want to talk about that all have a different sound. They're all in the word. The first one I want to preach about tonight tonight is the sound of the alarm. Everybody say alarm. 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 Really, reveille is a bugle call. It's a trumpet call, most often associated with military and prisons. And it's chiefly used to wake military personnel and prisoners at sunrise. And the name comes from reveil or reveil, the French word for wake up. Wake up to opportunity. A little boy came to me several several years ago and said, Pastor, I sure love the way you holler at us. I never thought I hollered. I just thought I spoke kind of loud. So I tried to cut back because if I was hollering, the little boy recognized I was hollering. I wasn't going to holler anymore. But sometimes a trumpeter, a man of God, has been set on the wall of the city. And if he sees something coming in the distance, he must blow the trumpet. And if he blows the trumpet and people hear the trumpet, and they don't, they don't listen to the trumpet, then he's not responsible for their actions. But if he doesn't blow the trumpet and something happens to them, even though their sins may destroy them, he will face their blood on his hands. There's something about being a pastor in a church in the New Testament that's same as a prophet in the Old Testament because we prophesy the word of God. We preach the word of God. And it's important for you to understand. It really, really is. That I don't want anybody in this congregation to miss your destiny. 
I don't want anybody in this congregation to miss your opportunity in life. I don't want hell to destroy you from what God has planned for you. I want you to understand that if God is for me, who can be against me? I want somebody to understand that God is our greatest ally in this time that we live in. Would you clap your hands and rejoice to that? I know a pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that several years ago had a large crowd and he lost that crowd. He had about five or 6,000 people and one Sunday he said, I want everybody in the building that does not have a job, especially men, to stand to your feet. And about 100 men stood in that congregation. He said, I want you to meet me backstage after this is over. I'm going to give you something. And when he, when he went back there, he was prepared. He had, he had cloths. He had cloths wrapped. They were, they were Walmart cloths, about six or eight or ten of them in a package. And he gave every man one of the, a package of those cloths. And he said, I want you to go to businesses. And I want you to tell those people that I'm here. I'm a mobile car wash man. And I'm here to wash the cars of all the office. And said, if they turn you down, go to the next office. You'll be washing cars all day. And so he sent them out, a hundred men with a bunch of cloths. And he said, and I want you to come back and pay your tithes when it's all over. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't say anything about it for about a year. And then about a year later, he said, I want everybody that's unemployed to stand up again. And there was not anybody that stood up because the men that stood up didn't want to go wash cars anymore. But one man stood and he said, sir, I see you're brave enough to stand. He said, yes, sir. He said, can I ask you why you're standing? He said, yes, sir. A year ago, a year ago, you asked me if I didn't have a job to stand and I stood and you brought me in the back and you gave me a bunch of washcloths and I started washing cars and said, guess what, sir? I got myself my own car wash. And he said, now, sir, I'm the boss. And he said, sir, can I tell you, I've made a half a million dollars in this last year just washing cars. He said, I want to tell you, sir, I can't wait to open my second car wash. Here's what I want to tell you. When a pastor gets up and preaches to you and sounds an alarm and says, get up, wake up. You know, there's, there's two things that sleeping people can't stand. Number one is noise and number two is light. But I want to, I want to rattle somebody's cage here tonight. It's summertime and it's lazy time. It's summertime. But you gotta get up. You gotta get up. You gotta go for it. You gotta, you gotta reach. You gotta go. You gotta go forward. Come on. You still have what it takes to be successful in life. You still have what it takes to be a winner in this thing called life. I'm not talking about people that are lost tonight. I'm talking about people that have lost their destiny. And have lost the reason for their living. You're going to go to heaven. It's not about going to heaven. It's about doing what you need to do to make life worth living. I'm preaching. I'm sounding the alarm. I'm shaking you a little bit. I'm blowing a trumpet in your room. Mm. We used to have a kid when I went to seminary or cemetery, whatever you want to call it. We used to have a kid that played the horn in the church band. And he would, oh, he drove us crazy. He would stand outside our window and play Reveille every morning. I don't know what Reveille sounds like, but he played it every morning. And we'd open our windows and we'd throw socks at him. Because I hated somebody blowing and making a sound when I was trying to sleep. And I wanted to sleep through my first period class. 
And then if that didn't work, I guess he was assigned by the college president to come wake us lazy future preachers up. I don't know. (laughs) And then he'd come in. He had a key. He had a key to our dorm. He had a key. He had a pass key. He'd come in. He'd turn all the lights on, say, get up, get up. And he'd blow the horn right in our room. Here's what I'm doing tonight. I'm blowing the horn in your room on this night. I want you to wake up to the destiny that God has for you. Come on, it's summertime and that's an unlaxed time. And that's when some of us kind of get lazy, 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 lazy. You got to get up. You got to go. Come on. I'm sounding the alarm. It's time to wake up and go work for Jesus Christ. And let's see what God has for us this summer. Clap your hands real good all over the house. The second trumpet that was identified in the Bible was the trumpet of duty. Everybody say duty. Duty. Trumpeter sounds a peculiar note to show the soldier the duty that was required. See, there's a casualty in churches of unfulfilled duty. Let me tell you something. We're living in a day when church has become a list of things to do, not a priority. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Boy, I feel like preaching tonight. And his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. You hear me? All these other things. There's something you got to make a priority in your life. And that's the duty of doing the will of God in your life. And knowing that you need to show up. Those kids need a Sunday school teacher on Sunday morning. This choir needs some people in it. The praise singers, the musicians, the ushers. We all need to be a part of this thing. I've often said if you're in Austin on the weekend, don't sleep in because Sunday's just mind over mattress. Get up and come on to the house of God. I hate to say it, but it is your duty. But when you start doing it and fall in love with it, then it becomes a delight. And when it becomes a delight, everything else falls in place. I'm just blowing the horn and saying, come on, f- folks, let's get a hold of this thing called duty. There's a casualty of unfulfilled duty in our life. The book of Numbers, I don't put it on the screen, but the Lord told Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together and for having the camp set out. And when both are sounded, the whole community is to assemble before you at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And if only one is sounded, it's the leaders, the heads of the clans of, of Israel are to assemble before you. But when the trumpet blast, not just is sounded, but blast, the tribes camping on the east are to set out and go forth. And at the sounding of the second blast, the camps on the south are to set out. And the blast will be a signal for setting out. When they're just sounded, it's time to assemble. When they blast, it's time for us to set out and go do something for God. We have duties in this thing called the church. It's not just coming to church on Sunday and saying, fill her up, bud. It's not about that. It's about coming and saying, give me what I need to prepare me to make me the vessel I need to be this whole week to win people to Jesus Christ. It's the duty of a child of God to be a witness. We're written epistles read of all men. My daddy had a favorite statement. Everybody's used it now, but my daddy used it when I was a kid, and I thought he was the one who invented it. He said, son, preach the gospel every time you get a chance, and when necessary, use words. It's time to understand that the duty of a child of God is to be what God wants you to be. Some on, clap your hands and rejoice in that. And then there was a trumpet. There was a trumpet of what I call wrong direction. I need to blow that trumpet. 2 Samuel chapter 2 says, So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the troops came to a halt, and they no longer pursued Israel, nor did they fight any more. 
There's a disaster, folks. Listen to me. Let me just get serious just a moment. There's a disaster of going the wrong direction. There's a disaster of walking away from the Father's house. There's a disaster because you don't know what's waiting on you out there. The prodigal son said, give me all that belongs to me and I'm going. And he spent it all in riotous living. And when he was hungered and needed something, he had to go feed the hogs. And he was a Jewish boy and they didn't even, hogs was not kosher. They were not kosher to the Jewish people, but he was put in a hog pen to feed those hogs. And he started eating the husk and the corn that they ate because he was so hungry. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God, I don't care if you're in a famine right now in your life. Moab is not the place you need to go. It's not the place. Egypt is not the place you need to go. The, the, the hog pen is not the place you need to go. Stay in the Father's house. I'm blowing a horn here tonight. I'm telling you, turn your direction around. Walk into the kingdom of God and say, I may be going through a famine in my life, but I know in the house of God I'll find favor and God will bless me with his favor in my life. Come on. Somebody clap your hands and rejoice in that. I'm blowing a trumpet. I'm blowing a trumpet. Turn around. I don't want to be long. I've been on vacation. I could preach forever and I got to hush in a little bit. There's a trumpet for unity. Psalms 133 said that the only place that God commands a blessing is on the spirit of unity. I don't want to preach silly, silly stuff. But sometimes when people go to acting silly, you got to preach silly stuff. I want you to look around you. The people that are sitting here is not your enemy. Look around you. Say, I know you and you're not my enemy. Say it. I want to hear you. I'm going to write a book about that one day. Because this is not our enemy. I've seen the enemy. And you're not him. (laughs) Amen. I have met the enemy. I have fought with the enemy. And you're not him. I want a commanded blessing on this church. Mm. Nehemiah 4 and 20 said, Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. For our God will fight for us. Hear me. They were building a wall. And the enemy, Sanballat and Tobiah, were trying to wreck their dream. And Nehemiah said, if you don't hush, I'm going to come down and pluck the hair out of your head. He said it. I just preach it. But he was so frustrated with people trying to break the work of God up in Jerusalem. And he said, listen, I don't care what position you hold. If you take out the trash or if you have a trial and a sword in your hand, use it. Because we all got to get together if this thing's going to be built. God has got a great future for Christian life church. There I go hollering again. There I go hollering again. But I will tell you the best is still yet to come. 
The best is still yet to come. Yes, Lord. Somebody say glory to that. We have not seen our best days. We have not seen our best days. One of my favorite, favorite quotes in history is John Paul Jones when he said, I have not yet begun to fight. And I loved him because he was a Navy man and my daddy was a Navy man. And my daddy said, son, when they think it's over, we're just getting started because we're Johnsons. God, what does that mean, daddy? That means we're not quitters, son. We're going to finish this thing. Hallelujah. There was a man one time by the name of Jehu who was anointed. And he was anointed king by a young man that was sent by a prophet. And he came in. He said, sir, can I have you in the other room? He said, prophets told me to tell you to anoint you king. And he pulled out six quarts of oil and just poured it over his head. Now, I've never had a bath of six quarts of oil. My car has, but I never have. But when, when Jehu came out of that meeting, he was blubbering. But he was anointed. Hallelujah. And he got in that chariot and the Bible said he drove furiously back to the city. He had a Dodge Ram Charger in that (laughs) chariot. And he drove furiously back to the city. And everybody he met, he said, are you with me? Are you with me? And when they wasn't, he just said goodbye. And finally... He found somebody that said, yes, I'm with you. He said, if you are, give me your hand and get in this chariot and see my zeal for the Lord. Folks, God has been positioning this church. I'm preaching to you right now. We are on the brink of maybe doing some of the greatest, most exorbitant things in church growth that you could ever imagine. And I've got a little bit of anointing Maybe not six quarts, but I got a little anointing on my head tonight. And I'm riding in a chariot saying, if you're with me, give me your hand and let's go forward. Let's unite ourselves. Because it's not time to put your heels in the ground. I'm not asking for money. I'm asking for loyalty and allegiance because God has got something great for the church of the living God at 4700 Westgate Boulevard. And we're moving forward. Wow, there I go hollering again. Hallelujah. See my zeal. I got a call Monday morning coming to church. My first day back at work and boy, it was a long day. It was a little harder than playing golf at Torrey Pines. No, it wasn't. Torrey Pines ate my lunch. That U.S. Open starting tomorrow, they're going to make me feel good because they said an over-par score might win. Boy, I might be able to compete for about nine holes. <laughs> but I was coming to work, and I got a call just out of the blue. And it was from a man in Dallas, and he said, I'm going to share it with you. He said, Pastor, this is so-and-so. I said, hey, buddy, what are you doing? He said, I'm calling you. He said, you on in on the thing? I said, what thing? He said, we need a church in Austin to be a catalyst for a thing we're doing up here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And everything it's touching up here is the churches are blowing up. Not, not bad blow up, but they're blowing up. 
He said our pilot program was, was with a First Baptist church up in, a, up in a little town just north of Dallas. And he said the church has doubled in attendance in the last two years. And the project that we started is bringing in. Now, you lit, now I'm preaching to you, okay? Over a million dollars a year for them right now. I think that might pay our church note. But what I'm talking about is that maybe we may be going from one campus to three campuses in about three months. I didn't make that call. The president of the company called me today and said, I'll be in town next Wednesday. I want to be in church with you next Wednesday night. I said, I'll I'll save you a seat on the front row. He said, I'm coming. He said, these people up here love you and they want you to be involved in this. And I don't want to tell you what it is because I want you to lay awake tonight wondering what it's about. (laughs) But I'm telling you, it's time to unite ourselves. Everybody say the spirit of unity. The spirit of unity. Come on, I'm blowing the trumpet. The spirit of unity. Woo! And the last trumpet is a trumpet called charge. (laughs) <laughs> How many of you guys ever saw them old Calvary and Indian films? And that old guy on the front, that, that guy got that sword out and he say, he said a little louder than y'all said it. Charge. Does the trumpeter sound a rousing blast when the soldiers order to charge? Yes. Gideon told his men, He said, we're going to win this war against the Midianites in the book of Judges. And they kind of looked at him like he'd lost his mind because they started with 32,000. He said, you that are fearful, go home and 22,000 exited right there and they left 10,000. The Lord said, I'm not through yet. He said, go ask them to drink in the water. And if they drank the right way, save them. If they don't drink the right way, you mean we got a water test? Yeah, we got a water test. (laughs) Send them home and 9,700 more went home and they left with 300 men. Oh, I feel like preaching tonight. And then Gideon said, we're not, even going to, we're not even going to use what you think we're going to use. We're going to get a trumpet. We're going to get a, a lantern in a pitcher. And we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to have a sword in our hand. And so we're going to divide in companies of 100. And when I get up on the mountain and my, my men, I'm going to blow a trumpet. And when you hear me blow the trumpet, I want you to blow the trumpet. And said, we're going to shout the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And we're going to break our pitchers and our light's going to shine. And we're going to show those Midianites that God is with us. And folks, they, they stood, they blew the trumpet, they broke the pitcher, the light shined, and the Midianites started fighting among themselves. And all they did was walk down and take the spoils. Here's what I want to tell you. There's something about a church that has a power of unity in it. That when the pastor, the trumpeteer says it's time to go, they're going to say, I got my trumpet, pastor. I got my, I got my lantern. I got my sword in my hand. Let's go, take the, let's go take the enemy. Let's go see what God is going to do for us in this hour. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice in that. It's time to have a charge in our life. I close tonight. Not yet, Randy. I'm, I'm, I see the runway, but I'm not ready to land yet. I'm, I'm, this is my first landing. Nehemiah 4 and 8 said, He that sounded the trumpet was by me. Here's the part I want you to understand. That the trumpeter that blew the trumpet 
always was positioned by the captain of the army. He was the one closest to the leader. And I'm not saying that that puts a pastor in a beautiful position. It's a precarious position. But I love the fact that I believe that God is speaking to this congregation. And I'm going to stand beside Jesus Christ, the captain of this church. And I'm going to hear what he has to say. And if he says it's time to wake up, it's time to get dutiful. He says if it's time to go to turn people around, if it's time to unify, if it's time to charge, we're going to do it all. Because every one of those sounds were a different sound. And we're going to go forward in the name of the Lord. Would you throw your hands together and clap real big as I finish this message tonight? You know, some people don't like to hear a trumpeter. And Joshua, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets, went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing trumpets around the walls of Jericho. And the armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. And sometimes it seems contemptible to the world for a pastor to keep preaching hope and faith in a world that's lost its mind. The men of Jericho no doubt despised the blowing of the trumpet around their city. But when the seventh day arrived and their walls fell down flat, they were destroyed all except Rahab the harlot who trusted and believed God. I close tonight with the last trumpet. If we don't hear the present trumpet, Will we hear the last trumpet? Randy, help me. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Elijah forced the issue, Baal or Jehovah. He said, if the Lord be God, follow him. And if God, if Baal be God, follow him. And the people answered him not a word. It's time for the church to start answering the trumpeter. And say, Pastor, no matter what happens in this world, I have made up my mind I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands. Come on. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to make some of you a little angry, but the marketplace of America is a victim of an uncertain trumpet. Politicians are masters of double speak in this hour. I'm going to speak it. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings, but I'm a pro-life pastor. So when does life begin? People say there's no life. But how come when someone kills a mom who's pregnant, it's called a double murder? Really? The schoolhouse is a victim of an uncertain trumpet. Prayer is no longer available in many schools. And when they do, they have to sneak it in and risk being fired. The Ten Commandments are missing. The educators are ambiguous and Things have become fuzzy in the school system. And the godly culture is being attacked around the nation.
The church house is a victim of an uncertain trumpet also. One voice, there are many voices, but his sheep know his voice. There's one way. There are many ways, but Jesus is the way. This is a good Bible study. I've enjoyed it. The universal doctrine says believe anything you want to believe. We're all going to the same place. No. No, sir. No, sir. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way. There was a woman in the Bible named Athaliah. You can read about her. You can find her if you can ever spell her name. when a particular king died she tried to kill all the seed that was royal that was left and Josiah was a baby and a man named Jehoiada who was the high priest hid him in the house of God for seven years and she could not find him she went house to house but she never thought about looking in the house of God because she was not a God person And at seven years old, they brought Josiah out and crowned him, the youngest king ever crowned in Israel. And Athaliah was outside the house and she heard the sound. And she knew a king was being crowned inside there because she had heard it before. And she got so beside herself. She rushed in to stop it. Let me tell you something. C.O.C., The sound that we produce, are you with me? Must be every service crowning Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords in our life. Hallelujah! We must praise Him with all of our heart. I must preach with everything that's in me. We have to crown Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords in our life. Jehoiada, the high priest, said, there's three things we've got to do. We've got to guard the house. We must guard the altar. And we must guard the king. Everybody say, this house house is a house of prayer. A house of of praise. A A house of forgiveness. House of love. love. Everybody say this altar altar is a place for salvation. A place for for healing. A place for for deliverance. A place for hope. hope. We must never, never lose that. And Jesus Christ is King of Kings in our life. We will preach the risen Christ until He comes back and takes us out of this world. And there's many altars, but there's only one, only one, right altar. Joab heard he was dying, and I close. And when he heard he was dying, he had been a a hit man for the king. Now it was his turn to die. History said he ran past at least 15 false altars to get to the altar of God. And he took hold of the horns and said, I will die right here. You don't have to die when you run to God's altar. But 
you don't find altars on every corner. Don't sacrifice your family to the altars of the world. Don't sacrifice your family to the altars of money, the altars of fame. Put your life on the altar of God and see what God does for your children. Come on. I'm blowing a trumpet. Would you stand all over the house? You're the most awesome people in all of Austin. And if anybody tells you different, they lied to you. Wow. I remember where I gave my heart to the Lord. I was a little old kid in West Texas and I came down to the altar one night and I gave my heart to the Lord. Right over here on this side. I've told this story, but I went back and visited that place several years later after I was preaching. And I noticed that they had redone the church and actually built a new church, tore the old one down, built a new and much prettier church. And I noticed that the place that I had prayed was no longer there. And I said, sir, is, if it's all right with you, can I ask you what you did with the old boards that used to be here? It wasn't much. I wasn't raised in a fancy church. He said, oh, yeah, we got them. We got them back here in the back. And I said, can I, have, can I have one of them? No, 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 we don't want to give them away. I said, well, put them in a prayer room or something, sir. I, I, I didn't say that because I wasn't passing the church. But I thought it. I want to say, but I went back and I found it and I cleaned it off and I, I knelt down. And I remembered, I remembered that night when I was a little old eight, nine year old boy. And I wanted God more than I wanted anything in the world. And God came and filled me with joy and peace. And then I had this struggle. Because the last thing I wanted to do was preach and be a poor preacher all my life. Because that's all I knew. I wanted to get my education make a lot of money and help a preacher God didn't have it the plans that way but when I came to church Monday morning I'm sorry when I came to church Monday morning that phone rang and the person on the other end of the line said we want your church to be a catalyst for us in Austin it's a brand new thing God said, aren't you glad you're doing my business? And I had a little session in the car. Don't mind telling you. I said, yeah, Lord, I'm glad I'm on your team. All of us ought to leave here tonight clapping our hands saying, I'm so glad I'm on God's team. Come on, all over the house. Let's clap real big. Come on, all over the house. Let's clap real big. 
I'm trying to blow a certain sound. I'm trying to make a certain sound. Come on, it's time to wake up. It's time to hear the call of duty. It's time to turn around. It's time to unite. And it's time to charge in the name of the Lord. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.